Hey, welcome back to the Life Learners podcast. Hope you all are doing well this week. This week we're kind of wrapping up the year. It's pretty insane to think that it's already November. Um, this year has really flown by. I don't know about you guys, but um, I don't think I'm ready for 2023. Uh, men- uh, mentally, I don't think I'm ready. Physically, I think I'm ready to turn the page on 2022, but... Um, yeah, it's certainly been an, an incredible uh, year, both just, you know, from a personal level and, of course, from a sort of watch watch collector level. I think you probably have the similar experience to me, but you've probably had the opportunity to experience some watches that in 2021 you m- might have not thought that you uh, would have been able to experience. Uh, I, I had the privilege to meet so many cool collectors and see some really interesting watches um, we've covered some really interesting watches on our website as well. What's really amazing um, is uh, looking back on the year and looking at some of the watches that we were able to experience. I Every year, uh, except for 2020, which is really bad on me, but every year I've basically looked back at some of the watches that I've been able to experience over the last of that, that year and sort of just run through some of my favorites. So I am doing that again this year, but that's not what this podcast is going to be. We will have an article and video, article on our website, video on YouTube, uh, that will be released tomorrow, talking about some of our favorite watches from the year. If you do follow Life on the Wrist, I would welcome uh, any 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 uh, messages on Instagram or on our website about watches that you enjoyed that we that I covered on on the website or on our YouTube channel. I think uh, you probably have opinions on what's and what was some of your favorite stuff uh, from the year. So stay tuned for our video and article tomorrow if you want to see that. Um, we'll cover some of the ones that we loved uh, the most. I covered my top five, uh, and I think there was some really interesting diversity in that group. Because that article hasn't been released yet, I'll put links in the show notes to 2019's version of that series and 2020 version of the, versions of that series. Sorry, 2021's version of that series. Um, if you're interested, and hopefully, on the suggested uh, uh, in the suggested um, articles uh, section of the website, you'll probably end up seeing our 2022 version of it. Instead of looking back, I thought we could look forward during this podcast and look at some of the watches most recently that I've had the opportunity to experience. I've covered some of them on our website. Some of them will you'll have to stay tuned for our coverage of them. But I thought it'd be a nice way to end the year in in a forward-looking way. Um, I know that I think we all have sort of watch-collecting goals, watch-collecting aspirations, dreams uh, for the next year, and I think it's a nice time to sort of start reflecting on those. The weather's getting colder where I'm located, which so clearly I'm in the Northern Hemisphere, but if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, maybe the weather's getting warmer, you have aspirations for watches that you're looking to strap onto your wrist in those warmer climates and I think looking forward and setting goals for yourself is a is a natural thing that, that a lot of us end up doing and I'm sure that you've probably started to think about your watch collecting goals for 2023. I know that we're, we're only just getting into November but it does feel like this is sort of the time where things sort of start getting wrapped up. I've rambled a little bit uh, enough about sort of the past and watch collecting goals let me dive into some of the watches that um, that we have for that that I've sort of got in front of me here to experience. Um, 
kind of looking forward. So the first watch I wanted to talk about was a really incredible um, Longines. Uh, I have spoken about Longines a lot, but I do think that vintage Longines is so diverse. You have so many different options in the Longines watches that are available out there, especially from the uh, periods of like 1940s, 1950s. They're also very, very collectible. If you think about the um, about uh, some of the Longines chronographs that um, that have um, become very popular with collectors, sort of 2011, 2012 was when they really got popular. But the Longines that I have today is not really a chronograph. It is a time-only tank-style watch from 1951, according to the serial number. The watch is um, on the smaller side. It's 22 millimeters in diameter. Um, and has a sensor hours and minutes hand with a sub, sub dial at six o'clock for the seconds. It has a tank shape, so you have a um, rectangular shape with sort of a stepped case that goes towards the lugs. You then have these um, quite short lugs uh, on the watch. The watch um, case is sort of oxidized. I believe it's a, it's a 10 karat gold filled case. Um, and so it's sort of oxidized a little bit. There are also some sections of it where the gold filling has sort of rubbed off. Um, but this is a, a, a watch that's over 80 years old, so kind of to be expected. What's really cool about this watch is it actually comes with the original box and original booklet um, that was sold with this piece. It's on a um, 10 karat gold filled um, stretch bracelet, but I think the charm of this watch is gonna be taking it off of the stretch bracelet and putting a strap on it. It's a really beautiful piece, simplistic. It's smaller, so if you if you can't if you don't wear those types of watches or it just doesn't fit your um, your wrist, it's probably not for you. But I do think it's a it's a nice um, simple dress watch that could be worn. What's even cooler is if you look at the case back, there's actually an inscription from the uh, from the uh, original owner. It was a gift from. Clearly one loved one to another. Uh, it's signed love, and then it has the initials of the two individuals. Um, so really, I really enjoyed wearing this watch. It's kind of understated, not super um, out there, and I, I, I do enjoy it. Again, big fan of Longines, which is why I think I, I, I found it. With all these watches, if I have covered them, I'll put links in the show notes to the, the watches. If I haven't... Um, Covered it, covered it. I won't put the article, but I'll put um, a link to some more pictures of the watch so you can take a look at it. So that's one of the pieces. Um, the next piece I wanted to chat about was is a um, is a Hamilton. Um, Hamilton has a, a pretty iconic uh, history when it comes to the electric movements. One of the watches that used their electric movement, which was. Um, as I said, iconic, um, bec uh, was the Hamilton Pacer. Um, the electric movement was created by Hamilton to essentially, uh, where they essentially removed the mainspring of a mechanical watch. Um, and in, in place of the mainspring, they placed an energy cell or battery, which pushes power to the movement. And so what you got with these electric movements was basically a combination of a quartz movement and a mechanical movement. The Hamilton Pacer is probably one of the most iconic watches. It has this um, sort of triangular case with, with uh, lugs attached to the sides of the case. The triangle has the long side over on the right side of the case and then two, um, 
and then the, t the, the other two sides sort of curving over towards the left. The case has a natural curvature, so it, it is a little bit more rounded, not so rigid as a triangle. The Hamilton Pacers came, I believe, in, um, in solid yellow gold cases, but the more common of these came in a two-tone case with a gold triangle and uh, stainless steel lugs. The watch that I have um, today, unfortunately, doesn't, doesn't have the um, one of the electric movements in it, the 500, the 500A, or the 505 movement. Um, these movements, sometimes when they broke, watchmakers found, uh, felt that they were too difficult to repair, and so oftentimes they would actually get rid of them. Um, so this watch actually has a non-Hamilton quartz movement in it. What is really cool though is you can actually pick up some of the, uh, the older movements, um, the original electric movements. You can pick them up pretty easily on the secondhand market. And so um, if you're interested in sort of restoring this to its former glory, it can definitely be done. Another really cool feature about this watch is if you open up the case back, the case back is signed by, it says SNW. And SNW basically is an inscription that a um, family business in Manhattan signed all the, the cases with. The family business was called Schwab and Wischpand, which was a, a family-owned business that was set up shop in Manhattan in November 1927. Many of the early uh, Hamilton Electric uh, model cases were made by S&W, and so um, what's really cool is when you look at this watch, you know that this case was actually manufactured by um, S&W in New York during the early days of the Pacer. So a really cool little piece of history, both for Hamilton and also for um, a watch uh, maker in, um, in New York. These are super iconic. Uh, the watch is super clean. Applied hour markers, beautifully patina dial. The, hour, the um, hours and, hour and minutes hand, I believe, are replaced. Um, but the, I believe the seconds is, is, is still original. A really cool watch, something a little bit more quirky that you can wear on your wrist and, and definitely enjoy. Move on to the next piece. What we've got, um, there, oh, we did an article on the Hamilton, so I'll put a link in the show notes to that as well. We're now, we now have two watches. Both of them I don't have articles on the, on the website yet, so I'll put links to more pictures of these watches in the, in the show notes. But the first watch is a very, very iconic, well-recognizable watch. It's a Rolex Datejust um, reference 1601 in, um, from 1968, according to the serial number. Uh, the 1601 really doesn't need a, a big introduction. Um, I think you've probably heard of the, the Rolex date just, if not know about the reference 1601. The 1601 has a stainless steel case with typically a gold fluted bezel, but they did have some 1601, 1603s with a stainless steel bezel. Um, this is your classic date just. Stainless steel, um, stainless steel watch with I believe it's 14 karat gold bezel, gold crown, um, and a really incredibly beautiful champagne dial. There are few dials that um, patina as nicely as a Rolex Datejust dial, especially from 1968. I love the champagne dial with the yellow gold fluted bezel. They are different tones, and so you have uh, uh, two different tones on this, on this watch. The watch is in really great condition, uh, running super smoothly. I love the Rolex Datejust. I think it's such an incredible like first watch for someone. 
Um, there's many different variations of this one, of the 1601s or Rolex Datejust in general. And so you have the opportunity to build a collection just on 1601s because of how much um, knowledge and information there is out there. It's kind of akin to the Rolex, uh, the Omega Speedmaster, where there's a lot of information about the different versions of these pieces. And so you can have a lot of fun as a collector um, taking a look at them. Again, don't have an article written about this watch, but you can check out some more pictures in the show notes. The last watch I want to um, chat about is a watch from one of my favorite uh, watch brands. That's uh, Vacheron Constantin. Vacheron Constantin has produced uh, a wide uh, range of watches in their history. The case shapes that they produce are fairly iconic. As you know, I absolutely love the Vacheron Constantin Chocolatone, which has this really incredible stepped sort of cushion square case. Um, it fits my watch, uh, my wrist, and my aesthetic very, very nicely. But they also produce watches that came in square shapes or rectangular shapes. And so the watch that I have today kind of follows that form. Uh, it's a reference 6290 uh, from Vacheron Constantin. Uh, this is literally a square case, 26 millimeters by 26 millimeters. The 6290 is a, is a, is a watch that kind of difficult to see it's not it's to find on the market there are some that are available um, but a lot of the times they're in not the greatest condition a lot of the times the dials are re refinished um, this one dates to the 1950s and unlike a lot of the other uh, 6290s that are available out there right now this watch actually comes with a uh, white gold case uh, 18 karat white gold case as opposed to a lot of the 18 karat yellow gold cases that you see out there right now. I must admit, white gold is such a different feel uh, than stainless steel. Even though the tones are a little bit similar, there is a noticeable difference uh, in the wear, how it fits on your wrist and, and um, sort of the weight to the, to, the, to the individual watch. The 6290 was released uh, with the caliber 1003 uh, move, manual wind movement from Vacheron Constantin, which at the time was, I believe, the it was competing. Vacheron Constantin was competing to produce uh, to, to to produce um, the world's thinnest movement, and so the 1003 was up there competing against the likes of Patek Philippe, Audemars Piguet, Piaget and this was one of the watches that they released. I believe that there are some modern um, uh, Vacheron Constantins where they've sort of paid tribute to this specific movement and this specific reference. It really is a beautiful watch. Fits my wrist really nicely. 60, 20, 26, meters is, 26 millimeters is on the smaller side, especially if you are uh, used to wearing something like 41, 42 mil, uh, sorry, 40, 41 millimeter watches on your wrist. But if you're ever looking for something that is understated, is uh, dressy, uh, and super fun to, to switch straps on, this is a really incredible reference. I do think it's um, as it, it demonstrates what Vacheron Constant is capable of doing. Uh, I forgot to even describe the dial. It's sort of got this slate gray dial with applied hour markers, um, sort of stick hour markers. Uh, center hours and minutes, no seconds on this one, but um, a pleasure to wear. I also really love the condition of the, the case. If you look at the side of the, of the, um, 
of the case you have this brushed finishing you can also see the hallmark on the right side of the case is very very distinct but then as you turn the watch um, to look at the the dial side of the watch the sort of bezel uh, of this watch around the outside of the crystal has this polished finish and so I actually think this watch might be uh, un unpolished possibly unpolished I have no way of confirming it but to see the difference in finishing on the different edges of, of the case um, there's a high likelihood of it I think also the sharpness of the lugs sort of um, sort of adds to my argument but you'll have to wait and see the video for it but there are pictures on our website so in the show notes there'll be links to it so uh, definitely a wide range of watches that that um, we have in going into the new year or I guess going into the end of this year into the new year it's so fun to, to as you can tell like the diversity of the watches are, are th that that we're covering are super diverse right you've got this Hamilton electric pacer with with a fairly iconic um, history of, of movements. And you have Rolex HS, which are fairly classic. The 6290 from Vacheron Constantin, which is on the smaller side, but, but fits in really nicely. Then you have this box and papers, Longines. I think, if anything, this, this podcast hopefully demonstrated to you the diversity of watches that you can experience. Um, and if you are a collector who, who is getting bored or you're new to watches, Take your time. Really do some research to, to see all the different varieties of watches out there. Life on the Wrist has been around for about five years now, and in that time, I don't think I've experienced two watches that were exactly the same or had exactly the same aesthetic, and I think that's what's so exciting about this hobby and probably why you love it. So there'll be links in the show notes to all the watches that I've discussed. I'll also put links to, in the show notes to, the, um, to our favorite watches of 2019 and 2021 stay tuned tomorrow for our article and video about the, our favorite watches from the last year if you are new to life on the wrist be sure to follow this podcast and share it with a friend who might be interested in watches check out our website if you want some more content you can also follow us on social media on all the social media accounts there'll be links in the show notes to all of that if you are feeling generous and wouldn't mind rating this podcast it really would help me out with that said guys have a wonderful rest of your week and i will see you in the next one